The beginning of a new year is normally a good moment for looking forward and imagining what things might fill some of our days and weeks in the coming 12 months. However, if there's one thing that we've learned from the past year, it's that we don't know how this next year is going to go or what it's going to bring. Planning ahead has become a thing of the past and what we're left with is uncertainty. We feel unsure about what to expect in the months ahead. Christmas is behind us now and for many it wasn't what we've been hoping for or what we've been looking forward to just a few weeks ago. There are always things to be thankful for and perhaps the difficulties of 2020 have produced in us some unexpected changes. That's something for us to ponder perhaps as we start 2021. But if you're anything like me, then you sense that there's something missing, something that you'd like to change. Now the question that we've been given for this first Sunday of the new year is a really good one. It's a good question because it's one that we have to think about rather than one that has a quick or an easy answer. What is following Jesus like? That's the question. So how might we describe following Jesus from our own experience? What words would we use? And how does it actually work in practice to follow Jesus? Well, to help us to grapple with these questions, we have the passage that was read to us earlier from Matthew's Gospel. As a church, we're working our way through the first few chapters of this first book of the New Testament, which is all about Jesus's life and his identity and purpose, just like the other three Gospels are. And it begins by placing the birth of Jesus in the context of a much bigger story. A bit like planting a seed in a pot of soil, where roots have space to form and develop under the surface in order to enable a new plant to emerge, pushing upwards into the world where it has room for even more growth and can be seen by everyone. In a few weeks time, we'll hear all about Jesus calling his first disciples to follow him. And that's why we're already wanting to ask the question, what is following Jesus like? For us today, it won't be like it was for the first disciples. A lot has changed since then, not least the fact that they were able to see Jesus and touch him and literally follow in his footsteps. Now, we might want to say that following Jesus is something exciting, an adventure, especially if we want others to join us on this journey. And it's true that the first disciples seem to have no hesitation at all in leaving behind jobs and family in response to this invitation to follow. But for the moment, we're not quite there. Our passage today focuses on Joseph, the husband of Mary, and a very challenging situation they found themselves in when Jesus was still just a baby. Perhaps one of the worst things you could possibly be told as a parent is that the life of your child is in serious danger. And that's exactly what Joseph is told by an angel of the Lord in a dream. King Herod wants to kill Jesus before he gets any older. And so Joseph is told to escape immediately to Egypt. I don't know if we can imagine what it would be like to have such a dream. Personally, I'd probably be terrified. And perhaps Joseph was too. But the thing that might have reassured him was the knowledge or the conviction that this dream was from God. And that God already knew in advance what Herod was planning to do. God could have stopped Herod in any number of ways. But the way that he chooses is by speaking to Joseph through a dream 
and ordering him to leave the country. When it comes to following Jesus, we can say the same thing. The invitation doesn't come from us, but it comes from God. Following Jesus is not an idea that we've come up with ourselves. It's an initiative that God takes with us. And it's something that we experience firsthand, just as Joseph did with his dreams. So that's the first thing I want to say in regard to the question, what is following Jesus like? It's like getting to know someone based on our own first-hand experience of that person, as well as the things we might hear or be told about them. In fact, for Joseph, this was not the first time or the last time that he would have this kind of dream. It was the way that God chose to communicate with him a number of times in different situations. And it was clearly very effective because each time Joseph does exactly what he's told. And the same can be said, I think, about following Jesus. It's not just a one-off invitation, but rather one that gets repeated at different times and in different situations in our lives. So let's just think about that for a moment. Can we remember a time or times when we sensed God asking us to follow Jesus, giving us clear instructions about the way he wanted us to go or something that we needed to do? For me, the first time this happened was just over 34 years ago when I was a student here in Southampton. I was in my room in a hall of residence where I'd made friends with someone who helped me to understand what it is to believe in God. And this friend, Tim, had encouraged me to pray on my own in my room. Now, I wanted to pray, but I was feeling tired. And so I thought to myself that I'd wait until the next day. And then I sensed God saying to me not to wait because I didn't know what might happen before the next day arrived. And so I prayed for the first time. And to be honest, it felt as if I was just talking to the walls and the ceiling. But something changed in my heart. And I knew the next day that I'd begun a life with God, one that has continued right to this day. The thing about following Jesus is that it's personal, individual, first-hand. Just as it was for Joseph, God spoke to him personally and Joseph responded. It's just not possible for someone else to follow Jesus for us. It has to be something that we do ourselves, something that we experience firsthand. But as well as being a first-hand experience, I want to say that following Jesus is also a learning experience. Again, we see that with Joseph. When the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph in his dreams, he's revealing things that Joseph didn't know, important things that he needed to know. The first time this happens is when Joseph is considering his future with Mary. He discovers that she's already pregnant, even though they're not yet married. And understandably, he's considering a divorce. But in his dream, he's told to take Mary home as his wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Mary's expecting a baby in a completely unique and miraculous way, and Joseph needs to know this. So imagine, again, having this dream. It would surely have been a relief to learn that Mary had not been unfaithful or been taken advantage of by someone else. But at the same time, a baby born of the Holy Spirit is without precedent. Joseph has to trust what he's been told in his dream. Trust that God will help him to be a father to this child that isn't his. 
Trust that God knows what he's doing when he says that the baby will save his people from their sins. This is perhaps the first step along the way of Joseph learning what it really means to trust God. We've already mentioned that the second time Joseph has a dream where an angel of the Lord speaks to him, the thing that he learns is that Herod is going to search for Jesus in order to kill him. In the third dream, Joseph learns that Herod is dead and that he should return home to the land of Israel. In the fourth dream, he's warned not to go back to Judah, so he goes instead to Nazareth in Galilee. This repetition of God revealing things to Joseph and him responding by trusting God, believing that God has spoken to him and acting in obedience to what God has said is exactly what following Jesus is like. It's a learning experience where the primary lesson is learning to trust God one step at a time. So we can ask ourselves some other questions. How is it that we've learned to trust God and what has God taught us as we've been following Jesus? And what has been our experience of hearing God speak to us? Joseph had dreams that seemed very clear, but that isn't the only way that God speaks to people. For me personally, I've had moments where it's felt like God has been speaking to me as I've been praying or thinking about something specific. An example of that is when we were thinking and praying about going to France 14 years ago, and I had a very strong impression that God spoke to me, saying that we were to go. From time to time, I've also had some quite vivid dreams, which have left me with the impression that God was wanting to teach me something. The most recent one was about speaking to someone that I haven't seen or had contact with for quite some time, and someone that I'd also had some difficulties with. And in the dream, we were able to talk freely with each other and even to forgive one another for things that we'd said and done in the past. But most of the time, God helps me to learn new things just from talking with other people, listening to what they have to say. Or reading things online or in books is also a way that God uses to teach me things. And often when I read the Bible, I suddenly see things that I've not seen before or I understand things from a different perspective. And when that happens, it's exciting. It feels like God is involved, revealing things that I wouldn't otherwise have known, teaching me more about who he is and about who I am too, and showing me how I can live the life that he wants me to have. It always reassures me when this happens because it's a reminder that God is real and that my questions and thoughts matter to him. Jesus is a great teacher. He knows how to get through to us and how to help us to keep growing even after we've been following him for some time. So coming back to the question, what is following Jesus like? As well as being both a learning experience and something that we experience firsthand, Following Jesus is also meant to be, I think, an experience that we share with others. And this is really important because often it's not easy to follow Jesus. And without doubt, we all need help frequently. Again, let's think for a moment. What would be the alternative to following Jesus? What is it like to not follow Jesus? Well, it's often said that it's easy to live as if there is no God. There are people all around us who live their lives often seemingly successfully and happily, and yet they don't have any kind of belief in God. I was 20 years old before I started to even think about God or take into account God's existence. And so for those first 20 years, I lived my life as if God didn't exist. 
And even now I often find myself forgetting about God or I get distracted from thinking about God and miss seeing his involvement in everyday life. When this happens, I still make decisions and choices. I'm still living my life, but in a way I've left God out of the picture. At those times, it's quite possible that rather than following Jesus, I'm simply following my own thoughts or desires, or I'm following the ways of the world, just doing what everyone else is doing, living a life as if there is no God. In the passage that we've been looking at, we have a disturbing example of when of this when King Herod gives orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem who were two years old and under. He's doing an unspeakably evil thing. He's clearly acting without any thought for God, behaving as if there is no God, as if he will suffer no consequences at all for his actions. Why does he order the death of all those children? Because he's serving his own purposes, he's following his own agenda. His own thoughts and desires are the thing that are pushing him. He does it because he can. He has the freedom and the power and authority. He can give the order and it will be carried out. It's a terrible thing, an extreme example of living as though God does not exist. And I think it serves as a warning to us of where that kind of life can lead. It's much more of a challenge to live life in a way that is consistent with believing that God exists. A life that consistently takes into account the idea that God sees everything we do, knows all of our thoughts and the motivations of our hearts. A life that is lived before God. A life that is lived for God. Jesus lived life that way. He was in constant contact with his Father. And if we want to follow Jesus, it clearly involves following his teaching and his instructions. But it also involves following his example, the way that he lived his life. That's what following Jesus is like. So it's a great help to know that following Jesus is not something that we do on our own. Rather, it's a shared experience. When God spoke to Joseph, even though it was something that only Joseph himself experienced, his response certainly had consequences for others. It might have been a difficult decision to leave friends and family behind in Judah to travel to Egypt for an undetermined period of time. But Joseph wasn't just thinking about himself, he was thinking of Mary and Jesus and what was needed to protect them from the danger that God had alerted him to. And it's exactly the same when it comes to us following Jesus. I think that most of us would agree that it's not easy. Sometimes following Jesus involves doing things that most of the time or some of the time we'd prefer not to do. However, we're not following Jesus on our own. Following Jesus is a shared experience and the choices we make about the life we're living have an impact not only on ourselves, but also on those around us, friends, colleagues, family members, people at church. And thinking about other people transforms following Jesus from being an individual endeavour into a shared experience. And in doing so makes it much easier to pursue, I think. And more than that, we also share this life with the one that we're seeking to follow. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, we find the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left them to go into heaven. And it's the promise to always be with them. In John's Gospel, we learn that through believing in Jesus and trusting in him, we have the spirit of Jesus living in us. 
the Holy Spirit who teaches us and inspires us and helps us. So following Jesus is a shared experience both with those around us, but perhaps more importantly with God who lives in us by his Spirit. And that's what makes following Jesus a life-changing experience. If we had more time, there are lots of things we could say about the experience of following Jesus. And I hope that we'll want to talk and think more about this question, because it's not necessarily something that we talk about very much with other people. One of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing this talk is what kind of person might be asking the question, what is following Jesus like? Perhaps someone who has never thought about following Jesus might ask that question, or someone who just wants to be more sure that they are in fact following Jesus. In any case, I want to encourage all of us to ask ourselves an honest question at the start of this new year. And the question is this, how do I feel about following Jesus under the current difficult circumstances? I hope that in asking that question, in a quiet moment at some point in the week ahead, we will encounter God and find fresh hope and inspiration for the year ahead. So let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us strength and courage to follow Jesus in today's world with all the challenges and difficulties that we face. Thank you for your grace and love and thank you for the promise of your spirit living in us and enabling us to experience your goodness day by day. Lord, please encourage us to follow you and to learn from you. Lord, speak to our hearts and help us to listen to what you want to say so that we might live lives that are filled with love and wisdom to the glory of your name. Amen.